Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning and welcome again to Devotions. We're in Romans chapter 1 still. And uh, I'm realizing the value of, of this exercise. You know, you don't get to skip quickly over anything. And so we, um, we dangle over Paul's analysis of sin. And, um, and we're going to have to stay there for today. And depending on how we go, maybe another day just to, uh, to get through what he talks about, the human condition. So we read that passage, chapter 1, verse 28 to 32, yesterday. Uh, once again, I'm going to trust that you remember it. Um, and just, just get into the words he's using. The journey so far through chapter 1. Paul has given his credentials, talked about his desire to preach in Rome, given his summary of the gospel in those three great words. He's talked about the wrath this principle of, of stuff that just stalks bad behavior. If you choose to live like this, consequences follow. And, and that's what the wrath is. He's talked about how that is being poured out, revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness and engage in a form of idolatry. That's his headline about sin, suppressing truth in wickedness and giving yourself over to idolatry. He finds that most extreme example that he can, maybe the cult of Sibel. And then yesterday we saw he just starts getting into everyone and makes this big list of, you know, things that go wrong. So we're just going to keep going with that list. Um, Paul And Paul is using the standards of Roman civilization. He's using the stuff of the philosophers to uh, to really put people up to the mirror to see what's going on. So he talks about deceit. Um, deceit, the verb uh, to do deceitfully, would be like adulterating wine or, or debasing precious metals. It's, it's that person who just messes everything up. They, they adulterate things. They never do anything except with some kind of bad motive or some sort of ulterior purpose. Crafty, cunning, plotting people. Paul says, this is the sort of culture in which we live. Then he says, there's a spirit that puts the worst construction on everything, an evil-natured, malign spirit. Uh, Aristotle talked about this, that spirit that always supposes the worst about other people. Pliny called it a baseness of nature by which we take things the wrong way. We spin things negatively in the worst possible way. You know, when we do that, we need to be remembering that God hears and remembers every word we speak. We are judged by every loose word that comes out of our mouth. That's, that's Jesus on this sort of thing. It says they are whisperers and slanderers, people who, who whisper things about each other and slander them in public. You know, that, that quiet thing where you know something's going wrong, but you don't know what it is. And, and when the big explosion happens and, and reputations are destroyed vexatious complaints, people who just make life hard for other people, you know, just raising their maybe, maybe there's something more going on than we can see, and just, just whispers, slanders, haters of God, 
Now, this is a really important one. People for whom God is not God anymore. You know, one of the, the things we have to remember, when we use the word God, life as we know it changes. We are acknowledging a supreme reality. We are acknowledging a basis for existence, uh, a creation point. We are acknowledging a moral judgment. So much we acknowledge when we simply use the word God. And so it's no mistake that in our generation, people are talking about the universe. That's a lot easier to cope with than God. Haters of God. This is people who, when they use the word God, they're not talking about God under any normal definition. They're just talking about that thing that stops me doing what I want to do. That thing that stands against who I am. God becomes their Satan, in a sense, their adversary, because all he's doing is, is raining on my parade. These are people so self-absorbed. They are literally on the throne of their lives and they will be worshipped. Um, talks about insolent men. People who are so proud that they will defy God. But there was a second meaning that the philosophers put on that. The person who is sadistically cruel and insulting. People who draw simple pleasure from hurting other people. People who find themselves built up by putting other people down. Now, you know, in our time, we'd probably be looking for massive insecurities beyond that. But here, Paul just nails it. Says, this is one of the signs of a culture that keeps truth suppressed in wickedness is this wanton, sadistic attitude to other people, this thing that loves inflicting pain and turning the knife. Arrogance. Um, Theophrastus, a guy who I haven't heard about, i got to say, but he was one of the philosophers. He talked about a certain contempt for everyone except yourself was the definition of that word. That person who just thinks they're, they're better than everyone. They're a snob. And... Uh, and they know full well that, you know, they're, they're the top of the tree. Braggards. Oh, this is a big one. Big one. This is one to do a real checkup on. This is the person who overpromises and underdelivers. This is the snake oil salesman. This is the person who's, who, who is pretending an identity. This is the person literally faking it until they make it. So this is the, the pretentious person who, who boasts all sorts of things that either never happened or they've been spun up so well that, yeah, frankly, they never happen. So that sort of thing, Paul says, that is fruit of a culture gone to the dogs. And this is one of the ways we can suppress truth. He says later on, have a sober estimate of yourself. Get in touch with who you really are. First John, confess your sins. So, you know, have this clear understanding of who you are, that you need grace. And don't do that. Just, just be humble. You don't need to talk about you. Talk about Jesus. If you want to boast, go hard. Boast in the Lord, not this. Inventors of evil. People so jaded with their sinful pleasures that they go out to find some new excitement in some new level of depravity. And they've got to keep raising the ante. They're on a spiraling addiction of, of selfishness and sin. They're going to fall into a black hole of their own making in lostness in due, to, in due course. Um, disobedient to their parents, uh, probably enough said, family life collapsing. We're just seeing, you know, that both Roman and Jewish culture, family life was supposed to be top of the tree. 
Well, when it's not there, how do we keep truth suppressed in unrighteousness? Muck up our families, says Paul. <laughs> who, who would have known how relevant the Bible could be? Talks about people being senseless. Um, the people who simply can't learn from experience. The people who will not use the brain and the mind that God has given them to work it out. These are just dumb people. And it's not that they're lacking intelligence. They just refuse to believe that maybe there's a better way. They refuse to consider the possibility that everything God would say to us can be seen in the natural order. All the stuff Paul's already talked about. They're breakers of agreements. Um, now, I'm going to give you a little bit of history. Oh, I'm tempted not to because it's sort of... Yeah, actually... Oh. Yeah, we won't. But people who just can't keep their word, even when there's a written contract, they can't do it. Uh, there's some fun stuff behind that, but yeah, we haven't got time to do it. Uh, and a big one, without natural affections. So without the capacity to love what we should love. Now, until the Western world, well, no, actually not the Western world, until the world now, there was never a time when newborn children were at more risk than in the Roman Empire. There was never a night when there weren't 30 or 40 abandoned children left in the Roman Forum. That was just in Rome. And, and fathers had the right to just dispose of kids they didn't particularly want. And so this lack of natural affection, you can be presented with a baby and go, it's a girl. I wanted a boy. Chuck it. That sort of level of unfeeling, uncaring, subhuman depravity Paul says, this will keep truth suppressed in wickedness. This is a cultural level sin. Uh, and, you know, yeah, interesting how even Seneca and people like that were pretty comfortable with this sort of appalling behavior. Pitiless. Now, this is the list of stuff Paul says. These are the cultural level things. This is the world. And he's talking in general terms, borrowing from Roman stuff. In chapter 2, he's going to spin it and he's going to hit us. He's going to turn it from these global things down to, he's going to say, you are, you personally are without excuse. And he's going to drive it home and we're going to be left hanging uh, in chapter 2. So, you know, come back, it, it gets worse. But Paul is really in this stuff analysing Rome by its own standards and saying, how lacking is this? This is where we're coming from. By any standard, the world around us has gone to the dogs. And he's going to start talking about how redemption works. But he wants us under no illusions. This stuff is mainstream. It's not good. I saw some stuff on TV the other night and I watched people utterly lost in their sins. Just utterly, I mean, it was a documentary. People utterly lost in their sins. And I just thought, some people really are bad people. That's what Paul wants us to understand. And it's more than just a little moral checkup from, you know, for us. It's, it's not this little list, list of peccadillos. It's a, a, a definition. This is where we live. You are living on enemy territory. It functions on rules that you don't understand since you started walking with Jesus. It functions in ways that are going to make you feel like an alien. Be used to that and understand that your citizenship is in heaven and you have to make it work here. There is an invasion force coming to this mess. Uh, 
Until it does, we are the armed resistance who must stand for what is right, true, noble. It puts a huge thing on us. When we read that list, it's saying to us, whatever that is, you need to be the opposite of that. You need to bear witness to a world that doesn't look like that. You need to be the citizens of heaven because that is what hardcore citizenship of the world as a spiritual principle looks like. So, yeah, not, not a happy, uh, not a little happy second half of chapter one. And uh, it doesn't get much happier in chapter two for a while. And because of the way we're doing this, we're just going to keep plowing through. So for now, let's pray. Father, open our eyes um, for what Wesley called to see the sinfulness of sin. To see these aren't things to smile at. These aren't things to participate in. These aren't things to control a little bit. These are things to exorcise from our souls. These are the things that we must be pure in, that we must be countercultural in, that we must let a light shine from us into this. This is the places that we must be able to go as ambassadors of Christ, not frightened when we see this rampant, pitiless, merciless, angry, aggressive, inventive, creative power of sin but to walk to those places knowing greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus, I read this stuff and I am profoundly convicted. In a sense, yes, certainly about my sins, but much more about my capacity to live in this world as salt and light and leaven and the stuff that's going to change it. Paul's got a summary coming. He says, the times might be evil, but your lives should redeem it. So, Lord, today we have the temerity to ask again that you fill us with your spirit, that spirit that is good, that spirit that is Christ-like, that spirit that is humble, gentle, forgetful of the consequences to ourselves when we do the right thing, that spirit that simply keeps coming up loving no matter what, hopeful, enduring. So Lord, fill us with that. Make us those people and God where we still participate in these wretched things. Help us to do whatever it takes to get our heads right and our actions in order. These things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. We will continue much in this theme tomorrow morning. God bless. See you then. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please don't forget to sign up to the baraccenter.com or the fringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>